right, welcome everybody to the Business Brains and the Bottom Line podcast. My name is Paul Delegro, and I have a very special guest today, Terry Murray, who happens to be the president of Prescriptive Data Solutions. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for uh, letting me be here. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, I happen to work with Terry, so we've known each other a long time. And, uh, you know, what, one of the reasons I want to have you on, Terry, I, I, you know, you and I go way back, and, and you're probably a big reason why I work at Prescriptive, and I've always liked your style. And you. if you look at, I guess the topic for today, what I'd like to discuss with you is, you know, there's a lot of resellers in the IT space, right? And they fall in different categories, right? This, this IT companies that just sell stuff, and then there's the full consulting firm. So what I wanted to kind of talk to you about today is, you know, A, where Prescriptive fits in that, and we're doing pretty well right now, and there's a reason for that. And I think, you know, as a consulting company, um, I'd like you to discuss why do you think Prescriptive's doing well in, the, in, 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 in these hard times right now, and what separates us from, you know, the other VARs out there and the other IT consulting companies. That sure. makes sense, Terry? Yeah, it does. Um, and you're right. It's interesting you brought up the fact that there are different types of bars out there. And I think um, one of the things that you see out there sometimes is you may have a misalignment with the bar and the end customer, right? So one of the things that I think about is depending on your organization, how you operate, it's something that you should be thinking about when you look at which bar you're opting to work with. And a lot of times I don't think that's the case. Really what they do is they go out and look and they focus from a technology perspective, right? So they think, okay, I really need a technology company that's great at this, so that's who I want to partner with. And there are some cases where that makes sense, but usually that's really, to me, that's table stakes. Um, right. You've got to pick a partner that knows these different technologies. What I look for or think about is kind of an alignment of your organization to the way that that partner uh, operates in terms of what it is that you need, right? And so there's, there's a couple things that I see out there sometimes that, I think people could take a harder look at. And so uh, just to give you an example, what type of shop do you have, right? Are you a shop that really you, you're large, you've got so much expertise, you can cover all the architecture work, you stay up to date, you just want to buy products from somebody, right? Maybe that's a possibility. Maybe you're looking for a company that can do some staff on, or you're looking for a company that sells everything, right? My big thing is, I want to get uh, go to one place, get all the quotes that I can, and get all that back. Um, and the reality is, for most of our customers and most of the, the businesses out there, they don't have all that internal expertise. They don't have an infinite amount of resources. So you've got to find a, a partner that, uh, in the areas that they work in, that they can provide those resources and, and bring them to bear on the different challenges that you have. So I think that's one of the things. Um, <clears throat> One of the other things that I see sometimes it's, I would call again, a little bit of a misalignment is that there's this, um, there's this idea out there that somehow your size or your relationship with the vendor has something to do with the pricing that you can provide. So it's interesting the number of companies that I will see that, Hey, you know what? I'm going to buy all of my equipment from, you know, some of the bigger vendors out there, the CDW and the SHI. And I'm not knocking you buying from them, yeah. but when you choose to buy from them because you say, well, I'm going to get the best price. Well, that's, that's just not reality, right? The best price is driven by a whole different, different, whole different set of criteria with deal registration, things like that. It's really not relevant. And what I see happen is when you split it out like that, unless we're talking about commodity, right? If you're talking about, 
hey, I need 40 of these desktops of this type, then maybe it's more convenient because you can process it through a big company. But if you're talking about some sort of solution, in particular a complex solution, to me, I think the, they have the most success when you don't separate out the architecture, the product, and the implementation. Because all of these pieces can go together in slightly different ways. So I think that you have the best success when you have somebody that can take it and have that continuity from kind of start to finish. And that's the way that we've done it. So that's one thing I think that's, uh, that customers can do and that we've been successful with is, is kind of taking that mindset, right? Um, some of the other things that we've been fortunate to do, and, and it's hard, is if you can get that customer to take that step, take that leap of faith and say that I'm going to partner with you, you're going to be my expert in this area. Once you can kind of take that wall down a little bit, yeah. what you find is now that partner doesn't have to sell you so much. When you try and say, well, I'm going to balance everything out. I'm going to look at three or four different solutions. You kind of put companies in the position where, okay, the only way I can make money on this now is to push this technology. And in most cases, we're not talking about there's one solution that's going to work and then there's three that are going to fail. They're all going to work, right? But it's a matter of what's really the best fit. And I think if, if you work with your partner, then they can come to you and say, hey, here's what I would look at. Here's one, two, three. These are some of the best technologies out there. Here's the different experiences we've had with those technologies. And this is why we think it would be a better fit and walk you through all that process. Yeah. And I think most partners, uh, if, they, <clears throat> if they have the technical acumen, excuse me, <clears throat> they would prefer to do it that way. They don't want to come in there and just, hey, I'm going to pitch uh, this particular product as hard as I can because it's the only one I can sell. They really want to go in and consult and talk about what are you trying to do. And so I think we've had some success with that. I think some of the way that we, um, we've built our organization around technical resources that can have that continuity from the beginning, right, to where they can help you architect it, design it, and implement it, and they're there the whole time, that leads to a little bit of a different relationship. And we tear out some of the, the friction you see in other places sure. where – you can't get that resource again. You, who was that guy that came out here last time? Man, he was awesome. He came out here. He told us all this stuff. Where is he? Well, he's in North Carolina for the next two weeks. He's not coming back. Or, well, he can come back, but he's this much an hour, and you can't even speak with him unless you're willing to have some sort of engagement. Whereas I think what people want and what we try to do is, hey, these guys are a part of your team, and we're here, and you reach out and um, leverage us then it tends to be pretty successful. Yeah, I think once you get to that point where you've earned the credibility and you've right. got some skins in the wall, that's when the relationship really takes off to that next level like you were talking about where they trust you and they know that you're not gonna just sign up for everything. And if, you, if you've got the resources, right. you do it. And if you don't, you know where to get some other resources. Well, I think that's key, right? Because um, you know, as much as I'm talking about the approach and how we do things, in our world, in reality, I think so much of an individual customer's experience with a, a reseller is based on that, that team, the team that right. they work with, the sales rep they work with, and the technical person that's on that. So if you've got a seasoned team that knows what they're doing, that isn't trying to make as much money as possible on your account, but really trying to build a long-term partnership and relationship, and they're smart enough to know, 
we don't want to do that because we're not good at it or we right. don't know it. Maybe I can point you to a direction, right? right? People that come to you with caveats, that come to you that we like this solution, but let me tell you where some of the things you need to consider about it. That to me, that's indicative of somebody that's kind of looking out for you and have the best interest in heart. The other one that I've seen that I think makes probably the biggest difference of all is you'll see the reps that are genuinely interested in having those long-term relationships. They're on top of all those details. And in particular, all the things you said and all the things that you asked about, they're pretty good at finding out what it is that you care about and make sure what they follow, that they follow up. Right. Whereas the guy that's just looking for the sale, he has a tendency, he or she has a tendency to say, okay, they're taking all these notes, but the only thing they follow up about is the quote you asked for, yeah. right? All the other things that you're interested in, that kind of got pushed aside. And it's not intentional. They're not jerks. They're just, they're kind of thinking coin operated. Yeah. Where, where's that PO uh, coming from? And, and you know, it's funny, Terry, I, you know, we, we've all talked to CIOs and I've had a few mentioned to me that, you know, it's amazing how many sales reps call him up and just say, Hey, do you need a quote on anything? Right. Right. I mean, how much value are you really adding? But again, if that's all you've got, that's what you do, right? That's how you run your business. But I, I know we don't run our business that way. And that's why we're having success is trying to really, I've, I tell people, if we can get a seat at the table on a consistent basis, we will add value and we will earn their business. I, I think that's right. And it's kind of the way that we've built the organization and, and yeah. we're trying to develop those long-term relationships. And that's not just something we say, that's something that we do. Uh, we're not out trying to do transactions with a thousand different companies. We're trying to find organizations that are the right fit for the way that we operate. They have the types of needs that we're good at solving and that will let us partner with them. And, and you mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes you got to build that trust up first. The first time we meet with somebody, it's almost always there's a crack in the door. They're looking at something. You guys have been brought into us about something. Let's see how you do. Right. And then if you give it a shot and you and you consistently uh, perform and do what you said you were going to do and execute, then it starts to, to build and build to where they feel like, OK, we can trust these guys. Right. And that just takes time. There's no, oh, no replacement for that. I mean, you know, you may think you can go in in, in, in one meeting and, and uh, you know, I touched on this in, on my introductory uh, podcast about salesmen trying to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. You know, right. You, I think that's a mistake, right? Come in and just be a little humble, try to, you know, listen, understand what they're trying to accomplish and, uh, and come up with a solution that'll help. Right. And just deliver. Absolutely. It's, it's funny you say that because I think, um, it's, it's particularly interesting that that comes up with technical people, especially if they're, they've been a hands-on person, they've been an expert and now they go into like a pre-sales mode. I would find that a lot where they're constantly trying to show everybody that they're the smartest guy there. Yeah. And, you know, the customer, they certainly don't want to work with a dummy. Right? They want to know, you know <laughs> yeah. what you're talking about. No, I know. But if you come across as, hey, I've got all the answers, no matter what the question is, and you're always, you know, kind of trying to trump everyone, I don't think it gets the results that they think because we've all been in this business long enough to where we know, man, you, you can't know it all. No. It's just not possible for you to know everything. So when you're in your wheelhouse, great. Or if you know some different things, but if it's, you always have an answer, I don't think that works. I think it actually shows uh, a little bit more character and that you're a little more trustworthy. If you acknowledge the things that go, you know, I don't know, 
but I don't just leave it there. Yeah. Right? I say, you know what, I, I can get you an answer right. or I have a resource that I trust and rely on. Let me bring that person. You've still added value and they don't look at you and go, wow, you couldn't answer that question on your own. So I don't want to work yeah. with you. Well, I think they'll respect you more too, Terry. If you say, Hey, you know, the, you know, cause if you say, Oh, I can do that. I can do, I mean, eventually when you fall flat in your face, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to look, you're going to look foolish. I mean, like yeah. the famous Clint Eastwood line, man's got to know his limitations. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you, yeah, you see that a lot, right? Yeah. You see a lot of places. I mean, quite honestly, a lot of the times that we get into a new account or any reseller gets into a new account, there was already somebody in there before. Right. And that's usually what happened. It wasn't usually, well, the guy charged me too much, right? Or there was some other problem. It's usually, hey, there was some sort of project that went sideways. And most of the time you go in and look and it's, well, they kind of their marketing got out front of their delivery capability. So they <laughs> were experts at this. And yeah. then you find out, well, no, not really. You had one guy and he'd done it in a lab and he quit. So yeah. now you can't do it at all. And I think um, those are the types of things that, um, boy, they can just bite you. And, and at that point, you, it's almost impossible to ever correct that mistake with that account and do well. And not only that, uh, from a sales rep perspective that it can follow you to the next place you go. Sure. Right. Yeah. So it's not just that you can't sell to them where you are. You move over and you now work for a manufacturer. You, the guy won't take your calls because yeah. you made him look bad last time. Yeah. And I've always said as a sales rep, you know, we may change jobs, but the one thing that you take with you is your reputation. Right. 100%. 100%. No matter what your business card says. I mean, that you, you got, and I tell young kids that today it's, you know, be careful because you burn a bridge, you do something wrong, that could follow you the rest of your career. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and that's particularly true in our world, right? One of the things about, the nice thing about being a reseller is you have a lot of choices of stuff to sell, right? Um, I mean, there are some that, you know, you can have whatever flavor network you want as long as it's Cisco. There are companies <laughs> that are built that way yeah, and, and good true. for them. Yeah. But I think most of them are more like us where you've got at least two or three options of different solutions that, that you can solve for people. So um, you, you've got a little bit of a benefit there, but at the same time, everything you sell in terms of your products and for the most part, your services, somebody else offers those exact same services, right? Right. They do the same services. They sell the same product. It's not like they come to you and go, well, you're the only guy to get Dell from, so I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So if, if, they don't have to take your call. If you don't have a good reputation, um, it, it's really hard to overcome, I think. Yeah. That's always one of the issues, Terry, is getting to that first meeting where, you know, like you said, I, I've had people say to me on first meeting, so what makes you so special? You know, right. like the last 50 guys I had in here said the same thing, you know, and he's got a good point, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's true. So how do you overcome that? I know as a rep, you just say, hey, give us an opportunity, right? We've got a reference right. just a mile long. We've got a lot of successes. Um, Give us an opportunity. That's all you can ask for, right? And I think that's typically it, right? I mean, you can get some help if you've got some proof points. Um, you've got some customer references that you can yeah. talk to. Um, if you've got some people that will talk you up and say, hey, I've worked with these guys and they've done a good job, that helps. But it's almost impossible to differentiate w once you get beyond your, you know, the area you work in, right? Now, you can have some differentiation in the fact that we really focus on this one area, but it's going to be you and all the other competitors. What's different between us and them? Oh, we got really great guys, man. Our guys are really <laughs> smart. 
Like, oh, really? They're yeah, the other guys, right. they don't have any smart guys, right? Yeah, they, have, they have all so, high school dropouts. Yeah. I mean, the only way you can really, I think, um, you can cross that bridge is they have to experience. They have to try it, right? And I, yeah. and I think you and I have had, you know, a lot of success in that when I've, you know, been your system engineer, right? That you find some need that they're willing to take a shot. Once you've talked to them, they start to feel like, you know, they like the answers you give them, the way you present yourself and everything else stacks up. Let's give you an opportunity to do something and let's see how you do with it. And if you do well, Hey, great things come from it. And if you don't, well, that was your, your kind of the shot that you had and, and, yeah. and off you go. So. Yeah, no, all good points, Terry, but, uh, but overall, um, you know, prescriptive is doing well. And I think you've laid out the, uh, the recipe for that is just, you know, being a good consultant, being able to provide solutions that end to end solutions that work all the way from the first meeting to implementation and being there. Cause I, another thing I always hear Terry is, Hey, you know, you guys sold me something. This is when I was working at big manufacturers, you sold me something and uh, some random person showed up and installed it. <laughs> right. Well, no, my environment so that's another thing I think we do well is we're there when the boxes are installed right Our, the same guy that you're dealing with at the beginning you're dealing with at the end as well yeah that continuity and that's hard to beat right and I think that's one of the problems and not to pick on the the manufacturers right but it's something that they struggle with because they just can't operate that they're too way. big they are and it's just not possible so you see them trying to really cookie cutter like the work that's going to be done and who's the resource that's available. Their PS teams are built on, Hey, we've got to have our guys billable X amount of time or we don't make any money on this stuff. And so it just doesn't work the same way yeah. as having somebody like us. It's a little bit more flexible that spent the time on the front end, captured that. And a lot of cases too, over time you find that, you know, this isn't the first project that we've done with you. This is the third, the fourth, the fifth. Well, now we know your applications and we know who runs those applications and we know things about what does change control look like in that process and what is it going to take to get things pushed through and what type of communication do you guys like? Some guys are very, you know what, don't hassle me. I don't want to have a call every day to go over the notes of what happened. Yeah. I want a weekly summary. Give me a weekly summary and yeah. put it green, yellow, and red. Tell me what's wrong. But everybody has their own style, and you learn those things. At least for us, we adapt to what it is that they like, what's their preference, and we'll accommodate. And that, that only comes from working together over Experience. an extended yeah. period of time, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt so. about it. So, Well, Terry, unless you have any other pearls of wisdom, um, it was great. We're, we're running up on about a half hour, so I don't want to take up too much of your time today. I know you're a busy guy, but I think you raised a lot of good points, Terry, and I hope the you know, the people that listen to this will understand, you know, what makes a good reseller, what makes a good IT consulting company and the differences, right? And, and, right. uh, cause there are a lot of differences, you know, and obviously I'm, I'm a little biased. I work for the company, but I, I wouldn't have come work here if I didn't think highly of you in the company. Well, I appreciate that. And we're glad to have you. Thanks for having me on the, on the podcast today. All righty. Well, thanks again, Terry. And, uh, that's a wrap from, uh, Business Brains in the Bottom Line. This is Paul Delegro signing off. You guys have a good day.